Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. We are recording. We are live. But this is interesting because we had said that we wanted to maybe start filming our podcasts. And yep. now here we are by accident. On the worst week that we could possibly record video. Of- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we are recording ourselves. So well, that's like an experiment to see. It's not going to be as good as if, if we were together. Right. And we're both in bed. To honor, honor the occasion, we are both in our beds. I've had a day already. It's 2.34 and I have had to speak to so many people today about so many things to do with money and things. And you know how that makes me go mad. Yeah. So I've gone mad and I really had every intention of being in a great and professional environment to record this <laughs> podcast. But here I am. In my bed, on my silky pillow. Well, girl, you look good. The sun is shining through your window. It is. It's a nice view I've got from the from my window here, I will say. Yeah, can you see the ocean? No, you're obsessed with me being able to see the ocean. I can see a really beautiful olive tree, some rose bushes, some lavender bushes. I can see the wisteria that's hanging over the gate. And then opposite, there's a storybook-looking house that looks like something from, I don't know. So romantic. Yeah, it's very romantic. It's a great view. This is where I watch the old man walk his dog every morning. Actually, he just walked walked by for the old afternoon walkies. Aw, you told us about him. Do you know his name? I feel like it's like Roger, Roy. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) But not really. And how it listen, how are you? Because if, I mean, we don't have to talk about it, but. Well, I think we should probably address it because I am here holding a stuffed cat in my arms that everyone can see. So well, it's, a stuffed an- it's a stuffed animal cat. It's not an actual stuffed cat. <laughs> it's a stuffed animal cat. Yes. That I've had since I was five. So we may as well address the stuffed cat in the room. My beloved 14-year-old cat, Ivy Sparklepuss Godiva, died on Saturday. So that was just a few days ago. When the listeners hear this, it will have been a week. And I'm completely devastated. Uh, I took a little break from crying like a baby on the floor since Saturday to come and talk to you. And I will return to doing that <laughs> for the first time. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll feel a bit better after this. Maybe you won't return to the floor. The thing about it is I don't want to feel better. I just yeah. want to stay in my grief because I don't want any time to go by. I don't want anything to take me farther away from her. You know that feeling. Mm. Sometimes you don't want to feel better. You just want to stay there. Yeah, the passing of time is really... Your enemy. Yeah. 
you just don't want to have it keep going further and further away but the place that you come to eventually is that I mean that I came to is that I mean it could be a year it could be five seconds it could be a hundred years it's it doesn't really matter ultimately right I know I'll come to that I know I'll arrive yeah just right now I, I have so much fear and panic about forgetting my last moments with her yeah just obsessively replaying it I mean I've just been on it's been torture because you don't want to think about it but you don't not want to think about it yeah just exhausting as you know I mean it's it's interesting that we've come so far in, in our journey through your grief and now here we are at mine joining the conversation and you asked me if I maybe wanted to take a minute and skip this week and and I just thought no it's not our our style to uh mm-hmm. shy away from these kind of conversations so I thought it was something we should just press on with if you've been yeah. able to do it then I can you're capable of more than you think when you're grieving yeah. you're, you're capable of a lot actually wild wild ride it's a wild ride um and it was so profound the experience of being with her while she died, you know, whispering in her ear, looking in her eyes, mm-hmm. feeling her go. And um, I thought I might want to share it, you know, moment to moment, but I don't think I do because words can't do it justice. Yeah the most profound experience of my entire life and I don't want anything to cheapen it yeah so I think I'll just leave it and keep it private for myself but it was the most beautiful thing the love and the sweetness that filled me when she passed through me mm. are it's just the most precious thing I've ever felt in my life and it yeah. It was truly incredible. We were so connected. And, um, wow. Oh, it's, it's, uh, I can definitely see how people just want to die to go be with their loved one because mm-hmm. you think of all the, there's so much life left to live without this being, without, you know, the person, without the being, without whether it's a pet or a person. There's so much life ahead without them that it's like, yeah. I don't want, I, I don't want to be there. I want to be with them. And if they can't be here, then I'll go there. Yeah. You described that so beautifully when, you know, you shared that with us that you had felt that you are feel that from time to time about Ryan. And, and that's where I'm at right now. I just, I really want to be where she is. And to me, the last place that I was with her was in that moment when she passed. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm completely obsessed with it right now because that's the only place where I can get to her right now. So next week, I'm sure I'll be in a different place and yeah. it'll continue. Yeah, I mean, because the, the truth is that that's not the only place you can get to her. It's just that's what where you're focused on right now. And that will change when you're ready to move into that next yeah yeah so let me explain this cat so this is a a stuffed animal that i've had since i was born this was my first toy ever 
and I named it Alley Kitty when I could speak. And it's a Siamese stuffed animal. And Ivy was a Siamese cat. Yeah. And it's, it, I think I subconsciously got a Siamese cat as an adult, yeah. this earliest memory. So um, it's just in tat, you know, it's ragged, but it's this kitty and it's got these whiskers and these eyes. It really does look like Ivy. It looks exactly like her. And when I got home, I actually have pictures of them next to each other and they're exactly the same size. <laughs> I'll post a picture of the two of them. But the night that she died, I came home that night and I was in bed and I was just a wreck and I, I remembered Alley Kitty was buried in a closet somewhere. So I went and I fished her out and she's really been... Oh my God, it's been so therapeutic for me to have this. Good. And I've been thinking a lot about elderly people uh, in nursing homes. Mm. My grandmother was in a nursing home till she was 97, and her room was filled with stuffed animal cats. And I'm just having, I have such a newfound respect and an understanding of why older people have these stuffed animals and also there's companies that make these therapy stuffed animals mm -hmm. look real i mean they blink yeah. move they breathe it's a really really powerful thing and it's helping me process immensely i keep you know I, i'm putting the cat in all the positions that ivy used to lay ivy always laid on my head so at night i have the cat up on my pillow um and I've also been replaying her death, holding this cat. It just keeps happening for me. I know you're cracking up at that, but... No, I'm not. I'm trying not to. It's just... <laughs> Look, if you, if you thought I was a crazy cat lady before this, now I am full-blown because now <laughs> it is a stuffed animal. I'm really trying not to laugh because it's not funny, but that is the one bit that I will say I am struggling with. Well... I don't need anybody to take me seriously, but it's been a very serious process for me. And every time I do that, as you've described, like you've had these grief spells where it's mm -hmm. like an exorcism. And that's what's happening to me. Yeah. I'm out of these replays of her death and having this cat here to hold and go through it again. Every time I do that, it's. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. That makes so much more sense to me. I thought you were saying that you were like reenacting it, like put, like going like I'm going to sit down and reenact it now. Because it was so traumatizing that I'm I'm working it out. I get that. Okay, now I understand that. I thought that you were like sitting down. No, the last thing I want to do is fucking reenact her death. Okay, it's just that I have to work out that trauma and yeah. And it's an energy shift. That's how it was described to me is that when you have those exorcisms, it's energy trying to leave your body and make, and exactly the kind of like the death grief moment energy is trying is like fighting with the new energy and it's like, who's going to win? And obviously the new energy will win. But um, until that point, that old energy will really hang on in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been such a, a very powerful process and um a couple more things about it that are quite positive uh are the night before she died I knew that it was going to be the next day and so mm. we had her at home 
Will and I, and she was in the bathroom just laying on the floor. <laughs> she was just laying unresponsive basically for the last couple days. And we went in there and I laid next to her and we were reading and we were reading and laughing and we were telling her where she was going to go. We were describing heaven to her. We were just filling her with as much yeah. making it as joyful for ourselves and for her as possible. And, uh, it was really beautiful. Will really helped me just make it as positive as Good. possible. And the same on the drive there. I was singing to her, and she always responds to that. So she was meowing. and Aww. Really sweet. Oh, so sweet. Yeah, I, I was texting with you that day, and I, had, and I did say to you, if you can, you know, muster the strength to not cry, around her right now I think it's advice Annabelle that was so powerful that you said that that changed my whole perspective and I really was able to do that thank you so much you just reminded me I hadn't remembered who told me that because I haven't been yeah because you've been in it yeah yeah no I think when a pet is is dying or you know anyone is dying and you're with them in those moments I think it's really if you, you got to, well, for me, my instinct is put them first. Yeah. And then ultimately what happens is, is you end up gaining a huge amount from it by, you know, who wants their last moments on, on earth and their last hours to be on earth, pain and tears, nobody. Yeah. And so if you can just muster that strength to hold them and love them and read to them and sing to them and watch the favorite film that you, they like, or, you know, all of, whatever, like you singing to her and her responding, it's like, that's what you want the final moments to be, not you crying because you're sad that they're going. Like, give them the send-off that you... That you would want. Yeah, exactly. And you really helped me in the final moment because I I didn't cry until she was gone. Well I held her so tight and I just told her the things through her life that I've always told her. I have, like, the same little, like, phrase. Yeah that I've always used when she's scared or when she has to go to the doctor or something like that. And I just stayed so strong and really thought of what you had told me. It had helped so much. Also, the night before she died, I made this thing. I took watercolor and I painted my hand. Mm. I put it on the paper. And then I took her paw and I painted it with pink watercolor. Mine's purple. And then I put it in the space on my hand. I saw that. And That's pretty really beautiful. We're all just walking each other home. Aww. You know what? Then after she passed, I stayed with her body for like an hour and just held mm-hmm. her, said goodbye. And then we went and visited my mom. And my mom lives close by to Ivy's doctor. And we were sitting out on the lawn at my mom's house. And my mom looks over into the distance and she says, oh, there's a cat. I have never seen a cat here. And this cat, this old man cat, yeah, is looking at us from across the street. And I stood up and I walked towards him and he just starts walking towards me, just direct eye contact, just calmly walking towards me. A beeline for you. Yep, I get up to this cat. I scoop him up in my arms, hmm. 
laid on me just like Ivy lays. She put her head under my chin. He did that. And I just thought, she sent this fucking cat. And then I put him down and I walked back to the blanket and he followed me. And he came and laid down with me for like 20 minutes on our blanket. That must have been so lovely and healing. We were all crying, all three of us. We just knew that Ivy had sent me this cat to comfort me. And then he got up and just walked away. And I said, thank you very much. It was so incredible. So I'm glad you had that experience. That's really affirming and nice. Yeah. And there have been many since. She's shown up for me every day. And um, they're around. I think especially animals that they're like, always around they're always there yeah always so that is um the simple version of what i've been going through i think you're doing really well i'm just taking it taking the punches as they come you know the exorcisms come and then you're fine and you're laughing a couple minutes later and you just yeah the flow and but remember that discipline the emotional discipline not to let yourself get washed away in the way that you held your shit together for ivy that last day and you know the last night and whatever you've got to do that now for you as well oh you guys so yeah so this was a great week to uh record some visual huh well i thought i'd be crying the whole time i'm doing pretty good so you're doing really good Let's talk about you, Annabelle. That's why I said I think you're going to feel differently after this. <sighs> Tell me something good. Well, I don't think <laughs> Okay, so I've really been thinking about the shit that we talked about last week a lot. Yeah, last week was a doozy. I don't know. I haven't really, like... I just felt so, as you know, as you did as well, after we did, I was just like, I don't want to put this out. I want this to go away forever. <laughs> so I've just been like, who's that? I don't know. <laughs> like, goodbye, delete, next. <laughs> um, so I've been really avoiding that episode, but I'm going to make a little thing for it today. But anyway, anyway, anyway. on that episode, we talked about anger a lot, and I'm still angry. You'll be pleased to know I'm still yeah. Yeah, I'm still really angry. If anything, I'm more angry. Um. <laughs> really? Now, see, my anger was kind of thrown for a loop-de-loop because Ivy died. Yeah. So now I'm angry about that, but I've totally forgotten about my crazy past. Yeah, so how, how has your anger shifted? How has it intensified? I think it shifted because I, because that chat that we had gave me the opportunity to be like, Fuck, yeah, I'm angry. I'm fucking pissed. You helped me, I think, more than you realize. Our talk last week really helped me transform what I was feeling. So, you little Buddha. I'm glad that you feel better. I feel crazy still. (laughs) Oh, that's a sweet mug. My friend Camilla is going to hate that. She's terrified of foxes. Well, this is a Channel Islands red fox that lives on Catalina Island. I bought this mug on Catalina. I just want to say shout to Camilla. Really sorry about the mug. This She loves this podcast. How can you be terrified of that cute little face? It's okay, Camilla. Just look away. We'll put a trigger warning in for you. <laughs> um, I don't like foxes, actually. Well, they are a bit weird. They do do that weird, like, laugh thing that they do. <laughs> 
amazing. And the way their tails move is so like haunting to me. Their tails move like a squirrel, but massive, and they like bang them around. They're really weird creatures. I want one so bad. They're rotten. You cannot have a fox. I want one. Have you ever watched the videos of people being like, yeah, they look cute, but at the end of the day, these are like wild animals that cannot be tamed. Oh, they're terrifying. They're a mix of a cat and a dog. A dog. Worst parts of their personality. Yeah. Just follow some Instagram accounts and leave it at that. I really will. But anyways, I've been angry and... Why? I'm interested to know how it's different from last week. I think I just gave, I think last week gave me permission to, to be mad was one thing. And then, and then I started once I gave myself permission to be mad, I was like, what am I mad about? So then I was able to go through everything that I'm pissed about and sort of work through that. Also my period's due. Um, So there's that, which is just adding in an extra level of just like, just a little extra punch in the guts. I think there's a hormonal level to it as well, where I'm just like, you know, when you're really hormonal and you, um, you know, you're being a psychopath, you're just like, this doesn't make, what I'm saying is crazy. Yeah, I, I understand that a little bit. You're, well, I'm crazy. This is crazy. As the words are coming out of your mouth, you're like, this is fucking insane, but here it goes. Yep. We get it. We do. <laughs> I'm just over here stroking my cat. Continue. <laughs> um, so, so there's that as well. But anyways, I've just been angry about a lot of things. And I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's good to get pissed sometimes, as we said. I think it's good to let the anger out. And I think I have been really trying to be, you know, I've been so focused on doing the work and grieving healthily and, there's been a lot of me kind of like putting everyone else first. And when I say everyone else, I mean, I don't really know what I mean by that. Um, Give me an example of someone that you've put before. Here we go. Trying to put Ryan and Max first. And it's been very rare for me to have moments of, you know, as we discussed earlier on in this process of, of the victim stuff, which isn't my vibe. And I think I've been so wanting to turn away from that, that I haven't given myself the chance to be angry. And then also with reason, feel a bit sorry for myself sometimes, (laughs) you know, and I, and I think that I have the right to do that. I think I have the right to feel a bit sorry for myself sometimes. And you know, have a cry and a freak out. And, you know, for me, it will usually when I'm like, wow, I'm really feeling sorry for myself. It'll be like, I'll have a cry and a freak out. And then all of a sudden I'm shouting, I'm 32. I'm 32. You know, I would be screaming and shouting like I'm 32. I'm 32. And it's, I'm 32. I'm too young for this. I'm 32. I shouldn't be a widow. I'm 32. I had so much ahead of me. You know, it's like, it's all, it kind of means a lot of things. I think when I say that, um, you know, I just feel mod. I don't know. It's, it's a com- it's complicated. So, I'm I've let myself have more moments of being like, 
Yeah, this is really shit for everyone and really scary for everyone. And it's really terrible for Ryan and Max. Um, but you know who it's also um, really shit for is me. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. I just haven't really been doing that. Yeah, I understand that. I have my own version of that. Freakouts would be crying and saying, Ivy, I'm so sorry you had to do this. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. And then I'm also adding to it. I'm so sorry that I had to go through that, that I had to have the courage to tell somebody to press a button to kill my baby. Yeah. That was traumatizing. I was sorry to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really good. I think think it's important that, yeah, that you acknowledge that because... And you... Oh, we're doing, oh, we're doing the right thing for our pet and we're doing, you know, doing the right thing for Ryan and doing the right thing for Max and doing the right thing, doing the right thing, doing the right thing, doing the right thing. Well, okay. What about how traumatizing that is for you? Right. I'm doing the right thing. It's like, fuck off. Maybe I don't want to do the right thing. Maybe I want to go fucking crazy. (laughs) And I was speaking to somebody about that and they were like, yeah, it's really important to uh, just let yourself go crazy sometimes because we don't do it enough. And then what happens is we have like midlife crisis and shit. You yeah. know, yeah. I think it's it's a part of that that inner child work that we talk about. And it's like you know what kids do do is they don't keep their temper and they don't keep shit together all the time, yeah, and they do freak out because they don't have the flavor of yogurt that is at the supermarket that they like and they throw themselves on the floor and freak out and I'm not saying that that's a great way to behave all I'm saying is is that you know maybe it might feel nice to be crazy and strip naked and run into the ocean or skip down the street with your t-shirt off I don't know it's always nudity with me I just can't help it I said that I had lost my temper on somebody and hit them and I said that I felt that that had happened. You, you didn't hit. That, that sounds really. I pummeled their chest. Pummeled and- them. That's not better. <laughs> but I felt that that had happened because I hadn't lost my temper. Yeah, because you hadn't gone crazy. Yeah. And it's- he kind of said to me, like, don't forget to um, go fucking crazy sometimes. And I've just been so like, you know, trying to keep everything together and be a good example and do everything right right really been like I've got to do this right did it wrong last time got to do it right this time and it and you know and and I'm really glad I've done the things I've done and I wouldn't do this any other way than what I've done I've been locked in with this like it's you and me bitch like we're fucking doing this and we're gonna go through it Mm -hmm. and that's great but I I can let go a little bit now I I don't need to, the initial stages are um, tempering themselves and I can now just loosen my grip a little bit. And since I kind of in the last 24 hours have had that realization, it's okay, we're not, the race is over. The beginning of the race is over. The race isn't over, but the beginning of the race is over. I'm taking a little break and gonna fuck some shit up. Gonna fuck some shit up, which I feel like I've done. I've been like getting very angry, which has been great. 
had a bit of a meltdown this morning because over something actually this reminds me of the yogurt thing about the child I was just saying I couldn't find my car key and I was going to meet this financial person and you know how I am about financial things I it gives me so much stress and it makes me feel like I've had 50 cups of coffee there's something about it that just triggers me to beyond belief and of course I've never lost my car key in my life and this morning just before I'm about to leave I've lost my car key so I'm like now I'm late like the hot I freaked out and started crying because I lost my car key and was 10 minutes late for everything and just instead of me just being like you need to keep it together Annabelle this isn't something to cry over I just got really mad and just screamed in the car once I got on my way and had to cry about it and then I got there and had a really nice time with this man and felt so much better afterwards but I just gave myself the permission to just go a bit crazy for a second over something that didn't really seem like a big deal. So anyways, that blah, blah, blah. And then this morning I also had therapy. I had many things today. So I had too many things, but it's when I had therapy and it's so funny how all of our just shit in life just like lines up sometimes you know how you'll come in and be like I don't know what to speak about or vice versa and it will come through and through the other one and then it makes sense and resonates for each of us and then I have this a very similar thing with my therapist and mentor that I speak to I will be beginning to work through something in my mind in my subconscious almost and the rumblings of it the brewing begins and then he'll raise it with me before I've even verbalized it he will know that it's what's the next kind of thing is for me Ah. and after anger and going crazy yeah is joy um so it's not just joy it's very specifically play so he said to me, it's time for you to start playing again. And that was really hard for me to hear. It was a relief for me to hear because that sounds really nice. But it was hard for me to hear because it does mean I have to loosen my grip slightly on being good and right and grown up and accountable and appropriate yeah which leads me back into the anger thing and that's why during therapy today I started scribbling this spider chart thing I just started scribbling things which came off of it from the conversation we were having about him encouraging me to play and the first thing I wrote was appropriateness don't know if that's a word Big thing on my mind, also interlinked with why I'm feeling angry and my resistance to let go and play, is am I behaving appropriately? Is this the right, is it appropriate for me to have fun? Should I be playing? I don't know. Is that all right? You know, it's all of that. How's that going to make people feel if I'm playing? Yeah. You know, and then the next thing is what that ties into is then, so we've got appropriateness and then, okay, so self-expression, pain, joy, what have we got there? Permission. So from self-expression, 
the first thing I wrote was pain because I've been expressing my pain. And then it was joy and play. And then that went straight to permission. So I'm angry because I felt unable to express myself, who I am at times, because I've had to be appropriate Mm. and not go crazy. And how universal is that? I mean, everyone feels it. Everyone can relate to that in some way or another. What is this permission that we need? So, yeah, play goes to permission. And then permission goes to why, who. And then from why, who. I don't have to understand everything all the time. Oh, I love that. Why, who, eh, fuck it. I don't know. Yeah. I feel crazy today or I made a crazy meme that said my husband is dead, you know, that I shared with you. And I've been making memes. I don't know if I've, I've said that already before, whatever, is that I, in my private time and I don't even share them all, but I've been making memes and they're like really extreme because I'm having obviously extreme thoughts. And yeah, no, some of them are pretty fucking crazy, but that's how I feel. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, sorry, sorry. That's how I feel. Fantastic, Annabelle. And, and good. You know, it's, it's, I'm going to feel crazy sometimes. My husband and my best friend were killed in a car crash. Some days I'm going to feel crazy. I'm going to act crazy. I'm going to look crazy. And it just needs to be okay. It just needs to be okay. I can't, you know, be this Zen perfect thing all the time. And it's like, and who, who told me I had to do that in the first place? What, you know, it's maybe I can share some like quite extreme, but maybe I can share some of the tamer ones. It will be things like, you know, that meme of, um, what's her chops from the Geordie Shore and she's got the penguin on the fairground ride. And it says, when your two friends are busy. So I scratch out busy and it put, are dead. So I, anything that you guys, anyone that's not grieving right now is seeing online or whatever it is or memes or whatever, like my worldview right now is of somebody who's just lost their two best friends, a husband and their best friend and, and creative partner. So when I see that meme, I don't see busy. I see dead. Mm. You know, that's what it means to me. So I've been making the memes that I see in my mind when I look at the memes that you guys are looking at as people who are not in my situation. And yeah, you know, yeah, maybe it's a little crazy, but (laughs) it feels good. It makes me feel it gets it out. It, it like, it gets, you know how you're doing the thing with the toy cat where you start to have your exorcism and you're like, I need to hold the cat. It gets it out. It just gets it out of me. And sometimes I share them. Sometimes I don't. So the last meme I made was not one of which I'm going to be sharing, but, um, but my friends found it funny. And then there was one person who was so offended by it. And it really was, it was such an interesting experience to, to, I don't know, to have that. It was really, it was really interesting to experience somebody. Tell me the reaction. This is not okay. 
Are you kidding? No. Like if I'm putting something out in a public forum, even if it is a small public forum that's just my closest friends and family members, a group chat basically, you know, you're opening yourself up. If you put yourself out there publicly, you are opening yourself up and you just, you have to accept that with that is going to come opinions opinions and feedback and I really accept that and understand that and you and me know that from growing up the way we did better than anyone you give a little piece of yourself away like that and you've got to be open for whatever comes back in return and you're pressing a thousand personal buttons everybody's going to have a different set of buttons that gets pressed and if you hit someone who is pressed by those specific buttons you in having released that information, you take responsibility for the reaction that you're going to get. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. So that was a bit of a, I don't want to say wake up call, but anyways, I don't, I'm not going to even look into that too much, whatever. Like that's that person's opinion. Yeah, I don't fucking care. Of course. I like my meme. It was funny. It made me laugh a lot and it made my friends laugh. So if you don't like it, as my dad said, you can go and take a long walk off of a short pier. You know, I have crazy thoughts sometimes of just, I'll be at the grocery store and I'll just imagine myself grabbing everything off the shelf and just going, ah. <laughs> like, I don't do it. Things. But I would like to. And you start to do all these things. <laughs> no, I'm not going to start smashing uh the merchandise at the grocery store but as you go through the grocery store swiping cans off of the shelves how did you know it was cans i have a specific can in mind <laughs> and i saw this rosé and it was called she can it made me so angry it made me <laughs> uh, it made me feel smashy you can't yeah, she can't. Um, so once I had moved past that. It made you feel smashy. Yeah, that's my word for when I feel like that is smashy. I like that. You know, I thought of you the other night, speaking of alcohol. Uh, the night after Ivy died, I got a big ass bottle of really expensive wine and I brought it home and I said, and I was like in a real smashy mood. And I said to Will, I don't know how the fuck Annabelle can stop drinking at a time like this. I'm going to drink this whole bottle. <laughs> it was like unbelievable to me that you have cut out your drinking during your grieving. Yeah. Well done, but I have no intention of going. No, there. I think, and it's not for everyone. And listen, it's really, <laughs> it's really interesting that you said that because, um, I'm a big talker. It took me four nights to finish that bottle, but still. No, I'm, I, I mean, even if it hadn't, like, whatever the fuck. If you drink a bottle of wine every night for the next three months to deal with being sad about Ivy, whatever. It's, as long as you don't do that a year from now, that's fine. That was kind of how I felt in response to that comment was like, most people can't even get through a Tuesday without alcohol. And I've done this whole thing sober. So I'm going to make crazy memes to get my emotions out okay good for you, good for you. Uh, but the drinking thing is interesting because we talked about that today as well and part of my kind of fear of letting go 
of the focus that I had in those initial stages of grief is me starting to think about, am I going to drink again? Mm. And now I have this kind of complex about drinking again. A little bit of fear has kind of crept in about it and unnecessarily so. You know, I've never had a drinking problem. No. And I don't drink that much anyway. When I do drink, the me having three drinks is I'm in bed the whole day the next day. I'm a total lightweight. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a big drinker, but I've developed now this kind of thing about not drinking. And I think that's to do with letting go. And it's to do with what happens if I get drunkies and go crazy (laughs) you know that's know what's gonna come up if you get drunk you know there could be a lot of things hiding down there that will come up and you will be helpless in a way and so I, I I'm confident that there isn't because I've really faced it been facing things but I guess there's just that fear of like the unknown in there. I, yeah, that makes total. Coming unconscious. And I don't mean unconscious, like passed out. I mean, unconscious in the way that online shopping makes you unconscious or visiting a Costco makes you unconscious. I think I've kept myself very lucid this whole time. And the idea of losing that frightens me. And I think that's why I'm feeling resistant to play. I think it's why I'm feeling resistant to alcohol. I think it's why I'm feeling resistant to a lot of things is because I'm so concerned that if I lose that lucidity, then I'm going to go to some bad place. I have to trust myself that I've done the necessary work and really dug down deep. And also, if I haven't, and I go mental and start crying and screaming and wailing or stripping at the bar, or whatever, whatever, <laughs> like then that's part of it. It's part of it, you know, and I can feel the resistance in me about letting go, letting go of control. Everything's been so controlled and, and, and it's had to be from my survival but now it doesn't have to be anymore but I'm finding it hard to let go of control I understand that that is why I keep replaying the moment of her death over and over because to me that's control I can control that memory yeah I'm just terrified of letting go of that yeah you lost control you lose control not emotionally but spiritually when she moves on to wherever's next you're not the custodian anymore Exactly. And it's what you wrote in your book about, or your, your graph that you just showed us about not needing to know all the answers right now. That is control. I have to. I can't be so rigid. And, and the way, so here you go, going off on a tangent here. The way in which it's begun to frighten me slightly is... You know how last week I was saying I haven't been worried about myself until... I can't even remember what I was saying that was making me feel worried. I can't remember. Okay, withdrawing from people. You're like, (laughs) I can't remember much. Withdrawing from people. And I remember I spoke to my therapist and I was like, should I be worried? And I've begun to have these little sort of glimmers of feeling worried about myself, about things. And one of the things that I've been feeling worried about, as well as 
letting go of control slightly is you know how we were talking about me feeling so disconnected from things and frightened to go home and yeah. and that was really heavy for me to say out loud and then sit with for the last week and it was heavy for me to allow people in my life to hear that it's hard to say you're scared out loud you know and and, and things like that well I've been thinking about it so much thinking is there something terribly wrong with me that I feel so outside of everything and just and then yesterday I was driving along and I thought I wonder if I have experienced a type of ego death have you heard of ego death yes I have I know a lot about it yeah and I experienced many of them (laughs) (laughs) and I um (laughs) I think actually with your um, religious work that you've done and studies and things, I think probably there's been a a degree of that. And also I think with acting as well, I don't know how you were trained acting, but they really, depending on the technique that you're learning can really fuck a person up with all that stripping away of you that they do in your, in your acting training. My ex-boyfriend had a really troubling experience with it. And I thought this doesn't seem right what they're doing to, to these kids. Yeah, you gotta gotta be careful. Look, like James Cagney said in the 1930s, just memorize your lines and don't bump into the furniture. (laughs) That's, I mean, come on, we're actors. Yeah, it doesn't have to be some like... It doesn't have to be this ego death any more than it has to be because every audition is a fucking ego death. So we don't need to strip ourselves naked and raw and bleeding on the floor to be an actor. You got to be careful with all that. But I think that that is what I'm experiencing. And I sort of read a bit about it. I mean, I know about it anyway, because I've read about it a lot in the past. But I just suppose I'd never really thought about it in relation to what I'm experiencing. But I would say that I'm absolutely experiencing a type of ego death and not in the sort of Jungian context of ego death more in the kind of like probably new agey spiritual type of ego death that really really linked something for me which was that feeling I had of dying that night that I was dead and gone and that this new person was coming and was here I think that that's all intertwined and it did strip me of my ego this entire experience has has completely stripped me of my of my ego and my attachment to things that were attached to my ego in my former life yes and when I realized that or put those pieces together or made that you know uh when I I don't want to say assumption it's not assumption overanalyze myself I'm constantly fucking analyzing myself at the moment but it was a bit of a relief to kind of put those pieces together because I was like, oh, it's not so crazy after all. It's a thing that many people experience for many different reasons. And yeah, sure, for maybe for most people, it's because of, you know, uh, going to South America and doing ayahuasca or LSD in the 60s. But this is another way that you can experience ego death is through a traumatizing experience and a intense grief you know and um or or loss you know when that skin was ripped away all of that shit went with it yeah and um in one swoop just like so 
ripped off raw, yeah. Grocery store shelf, all the cans. Yeah, all the she can just all over the floor. She can cans. She can can. Yeah. So yeah. they took it all away in one swoop. Yeah, and I think that that was almost a relief to me to be like, oh, th- this makes sense to me. And this is something I can see myself in and and understand because I was beginning to feel worried. Like I am detached and floating here. This is not good. And now I feel like I can understand it a bit better and sort of handle it a bit better and know that I don't know. And yeah, this is going to be a bit wacky and crazy and I don't know the who, what and why and I don't have to but at least I'm not the only one and I'm not going completely mad for no reason. Anyway, this is all such a tangent. All these things are just, these are the tendrils I was talking about last week. And that's what this is, is me trying to, you know, understand all of that. And I watched the notebook with my friend last week. What got me really worried is I watched The Notebook, right? And my friend, he hadn't seen it. And I was like, this film makes men cry. So be ready to cry. And he's like, I'm not going to cry. This is stupid. And I'm like, no, this film is known for making men cry. I watched The Notebook and I felt nothing. Whoa. And I was like, I'm fucked. (laughs) Did the man cry? He cried, yeah. He cried and then he looked at me and he was like started laughing and I was like, that's not even your last cry of the film. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. There's going to be more. But I watched The Notebook and I felt nothing and I was like, this is bad. <laughs> it's just a stupid film. It was like, it was like I was treating it like, that things are really serious now because I'm not I don't even feel anything when I look at the notebook so this is really bad I need to call my therapist in the morning because bad I mean I would try Titanic as a last resort and I was thinking I might try Titanic that seems because they're young when the death happens so maybe that will just you know get it wasn't about the death it was about the love and the life and I sort of watched it and thought I really enjoyed watching the love and I loved watching I think they did such a good performance in that film and they're so believable and their chemistry and passion and all of that was so you can really feel it my friend Amy's in that film too. She plays the girl that he dates. Martha. Oh, really? She did such a beautiful job. So actually, Martha, she did a really good job. Yeah. You know those scenes where he was with Martha? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's me. That's the thing now in the notebook that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Is that man laying in bed going, I want to feel this and I want to give you x y and z it's just that part of me is broken yeah and when i saw that scene again i was just like whoa because that's really how i feel Mm. and it panicked me so much internally i mean i didn't share it with my friend but 
it was really crazy to watch that film and just feel nothing and feel like that's really nice and really sweet and I'm enjoying watching these two people. It's cute. But it's not for me. That thing that I'm watching there, that's for other people. Yeah, no, that's not for me. Was it a bit of a disassociation? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think the idea now of opening myself up to anyone new is, I'm just like, no, too risky. Mm -hmm. Not doing that. Not a man, not a woman, not a new friend, nobody. I'm like, if you were here already, then you're grandfathered in and you can, you're in, you're in, you're in. But behind that, the uh, castle drawbridge is going up, the moat's flowing, and that's it. No one else is coming in. Because mm-hmm. I can't do that again. I've already signed the contract with the people that are in my life already. Deal's already done. That's what I signed up for. But I don't have to let anyone else in. I don't have to do another contract like that if I don't want. Well, sounds like you've got a year of, you know, Quentin Tarantino films ahead of you or something. Uh, (laughs) Don't need to emotionally hook in at all. Just watch some ass kicking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love Quentin Tarantino. I mean, I think he's crazy psychopath but as an artist amazing um like a lovable psychopath um would definitely be somebody that i would maybe potentially have at my dinner party table thing you know when you play that game you lower the bra the broadridge the lower the uh lower it down for him to come over for dinner you know me i'll lower my bridge for anyone i can't wait to lower my bridge (laughs) I don't know why you're pretending like you're all closed up for business. Um, I just... <laughs> no, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. and I felt like a nana being like, oh, that's, um, that's sweet for the children. I'm, those, those days are gone for me, but I like that the children are having fun. You 32-year-old widow on the cliff of Carmel by the sea. <laughs> all of the stuff that we've been talking about, So let's, in summary, it's being crazy, sometimes okay. You know, we've learned that confronting your anger is good and you've got to let it out sometimes. Same goes for craziness. Sometimes I think we just got to go a little bit crazy. You've got to do it in the right place where you know, you've got to protect yourself and do it in the right place. Yeah, I think um, to harness possible. Well, yeah, if possible. I think that going with the flow of whatever's trying to come out of you is the healthy thing to do, not suppressing it. But, you know, if you're in a professional situation or in a whatever and you can't go apeshit, then fine. But just at least acknowledging what's going on inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe making space for it when you leave that situation. Yeah. So we've learned that Anger is good. We need to get angry sometimes. And I learned today what you said, that from joy has taken us on this ride through shame and anger and grief and all this, and it arrives back at joy and play. Giving yourself permission, period. Yeah. Nobody else needs to give you permission but you. Yeah. 
I feel like, so I just want to, not to apologize to myself, but I just want to say that I'm in such a transitional state right now that my thoughts aren't fully formed on all of us because I don't, I'm still figuring it out myself. So if this is sounding a bit all over the place to people, I'm really, I do apologize for that. And I hope that I will have this stuff slightly more kind of dialed in in the coming weeks because I need to for my own self, but also because I would love to discuss it with you further, Lucy. But it's anger, crazy, <laughs> joy, play. Yeah, this episode's been really interesting. Been a bit of a weird one. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't really know what we have. Uh... No, I think what this episode is just. Sometimes you just feel fucking crazy. I don't remember any of the conversation we just had because I am in such horrible devastation. I hope somebody's gotten something out of it. Oh my god. What have we even talked about? No idea. Are we going to regret sharing this part of ourselves with people? Of course. I already do. (laughs) Love you. I met my old lover on the street last night. She seems so glad to see me. I just smiled And we talked about some old times And we drank ourselves some beers Still crazy after